Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Live podcast. This is number 189. And, yeah, it's not with a racer, but when you talk about privateers, Tony Archer was one for a long time and now working at Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki for uh, Austin Forkner. So we'll talk to Tony about racing as a privateer, deciding to give it all up, getting in the industry as a mechanic, first for Cody Shock and then for uh, Forkner at PC, and uh, cover his career a little bit and what it's like making that transition and more. So stay tuned. Thanks to the folks at FXR Racing. Pulpamex 30 is the code to save with FXR Racing to make much more than moto gear, of course. Snowmobile stuff, casual wear, helmets, uh, they've got it all. Boots, uh, FXRRacing.com, factory ride goggles as well. Use the code and save it at FXRRacing.com. You've seen it on Filthy Phil Nicoletti. You've seen it on Brock Tickle. You've seen it on tons of privateers out there. Thank you to the folks at uh, uh, FXR Racing for making it happen as well. Uh, thank you to Racetech. Pulp 22 is the code to save with Racetech. Get some motor work done. Get some suspension work done. Do it at Racetech. Tell them you listen to Pulp. You'll save money. They've got suspension seminars coming up in Corona, California as well. If you want to get into the industry a little different way, like Tony Archer did. So please check out Racetech.com for more information. Use the code. Tell them you listen to Pulp. We'll tell you more about Firepower, Roos, Namira, and Max's tires as we go on this podcast with Tony Archer. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. All right, here's Archer and I talking about stuff. As promised, next up on the uh, FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life podcast, a man who was a privateer for a long time and now uh, really doing a neat role in industry. He's made it switch. Austin Forkner's a mechanic over there at Pro Circuit. Tony Archer, what's up, Tony? How are you, man? Well, I'm doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. No problem. Uh, obviously, this is the Privateer Island podcast, but... You were a privateer once, so we'll get away with this. I'm just, I'm interested in your journey in the industry a little bit. It's kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, man, it's, uh, it's honestly, it's, it's been, I feel like it's taken a while, but also in the reality of it, it hasn't taken much time for me to go from, you know, a privateer racer to, to where I'm at now, so. Yeah, um, and, I, and I, I took the same path as you, although I was nowhere near the rider you were. I did attempt to become a pro racer in Canada and I traveled to the United States and, you know, realized that I wasn't going to make it again, nowhere near your level. And I literally was like, well, I had a couple friends who were mechanics and I'm like, that's the next best thing. That's what I want to do. I had some mechanical aptitude and I became a mechanic after that. That was sort of the path I took kind of like yourself. But um, before we get into what you're doing now and all that's going. So as I said off the top main event guy making the motos scoring some points when does it when do you realize like i, I just i don't want to race anymore i don't have the support it's too expensive like how does that decision come to you that you're done uh, racing professionally uh for me man and honestly it happened quite a few times uh it wasn't just one time where i was like i'm done and then i, I just got extremely lucky with a couple opportunities like like the traders racing thing you know right before that i was in a uh in a Navy recruitment office trying to, to go into the service and realize, you know, as far as like my health, for that. And then, uh, <laughs> so luckily not long after that, Gary called me and kind of gave me an opportunity to, to let me go racing again. And then honestly, it was just once I stopped making progress, like I, I told myself if I was continuing every year and getting better every year, mm -hmm. then I would keep it going. And as long as I had the support to do it, um, I would do it because financially I didn't have any family support. So I needed that like kind of results based like uh, support, you know, and I, I 
had a good year and then followed it up with a year full of injuries and then just a year of just closing it out. And uh, I, I was creeping up on 25 years old and had bills stacking up. So I was like, it's time to, time to figure out like a more mm-hmm. consistent, you know, uh, pay, you know, a, a way to make money. So that's where I was at. Yeah, which is great that you realize that. But at tw- you and I can think of uh, 10 riders off the top of our head that are older than you and still out there making night shows and making motos and not really making any money. Uh, they don't seem to have this realization that, you know, they need to move on with their lives because it ain't happening. Uh, we won't name any names. But, you know, you were smart enough, to, I guess, because you could have kept going like, a, like, like these guys that we're both thinking about. So I think it's it's smart of you to realize, like, hey, like, speaking of Mitch Payton, he's not calling. Like, I'm not going to make money from this. Because a, yeah, a lot exactly. of guys don't. A lot of guys don't, as you know. Yeah, and, and like, I, I'm always a little critical on myself because I did have some decent moments in racing. But, mm-hmm. you know, you're young and you're a kid. And this is no knock on anybody. This is just my, my yeah. mentality on myself. I, I dreamed of being, like, a top guy. You know, that's what you want to be when mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're a kid. You don't dream of, like, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be top 15. No, you, you want to win. Mm-hmm. And I had some moments that were like, you know, little glimmering moments of, of good results, but it was never like a consistent thing. And uh, eventually I was just like, man, I, how long am I going to be satisfied with all the bubble of breaking through, you know? And uh, financially, it just didn't make sense to keep going. So I, I had to make a choice. So were you always, uh, did you have some mechanical aptitude as far as working on a bike? Were you interested in what a bike, how a bike works and how to change things out and all that as a rider? Yeah, so my dad raced, uh, you know, drag raced my entire childhood and did everything with cars, built engines, all that. And so I grew up building engines and building cars and working on cars okay. and my own bikes. So we never had the money to, like, pay an engine builder to do our stuff. So I, uh, we just did it all ourselves. And my dad taught me just just through, you know, what he knew. And uh, I always did everything on my own as far as engines and everything. And mm-hmm. the funny thing is, when I was racing for traders, I actually was. Uh, I built all the practice engines and all my, my personal engines as well while I was racing. So I kind of had a little bit of uh, extra something to, to keep me on. Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say that. I didn't know that. I didn't. Yeah. So okay. So you were you were good at that, anyways. Um, yeah. Yep. Uh, your first gig was with Traders then as a mechanic full time. Yeah, I yeah. actually I quit racing like officially. Yep. And uh, Kenny Day, you know, one of my best friends, you know, was managing the team. He. He kept telling me, like, look, if you want to do this, like, I, I'll take you. Like, you're my first pick. And I, I was on the fence about it. I didn't know if I wanted to do it. And, uh, yeah. I have to do it. You know, that's my, you know, I wanted to be involved in the sport, you know, still. I didn't want to just walk away completely. Um, it's funny because when you did that, I thought I saw you in a mechanics area one time at a race. And I and I said to Wygant or somebody, I'm like, is Tony Archer a mechanic now? <laughs> like, and they were like, yeah, yeah, he, he works for traders. I'm like, he used to race yep. for traders, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, now he wrenches for them. And I was so confused, dude. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, it's, honestly, uh, it was a weird deal because, you know, obviously Skip Norfolk now mm-hmm. is one of my biggest supporters. But, man, when, when I started there, me and him definitely didn't see eye to eye. And it didn't start out well, but I think, like I said, it, mm-hmm. as you you know, you know, Skip's one of my, my guys that 
has always had my back and everything and helped me get a lot of these jobs that I've gotten. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a journey for sure. Yeah. It's been wild. So, uh, for me, like when I realized I wasn't going to make it in moto, a mechanic was the next best thing. My buddy Shane Drew was working for Nolene and my other buddy Daryl was working for Tony Amaridio. And I was kind of like, that's what I want to do. But for you, you said you were in the Naval office and you, you, you weren't, like you didn't really think about being a mechanic so much, right? Like it wasn't something you 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 thought about when you were racing, as far as a career path. Well, uh, the the naval thing was way way earlier in the career. Oh, okay, um, all right. Then when I officially quit racing, I I actually took a union welding job, and I was just working in D.C. and uh, that's when you know Kenny kind of mm-hmm. hit me with that opportunity, and I was like. No, no, I don't want to because I kind of had a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth about the sport and everything. But right. yeah, you have one bad day in this job. You got a you got a foreman yelling at you for doing something <laughs> you know minimal, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. you know, screw this. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go wrench. I'm gonna go back to what I know. Yeah, and, and are you? Well, again, we'll get into what you're doing now and everything else. But are you happy with the decision? Like, are you stoked that you took this path? Yeah, I definitely am, man. I was just hoping to to climb. I didn't want to just be stagnant and stay, you know, no offense to a privateer team, but I wanted to, yep. to you know, advance was my goal. So now that I've done that, I feel like it's been a success for sure. And also, too, like you're from Maryland, uh, long way to, to move to Southern California. That's a big commitment, man. Yeah, I kind of... I kind of took a big chance because I was moving all over the place, man. I, I lived in Maryland... And then I moved to Florida for the Traders thing. And then we had the Traders and Club MX merger. I moved to South Carolina. And then I got the Rocky Mountain deal working for Bogle for a summer. I moved to Oklahoma. So I was just like, I was taking every opportunity in front of me. And I was trying to make the most of it. And luckily it worked out where, you know, that led into a TLD job, which, you know, has led into where I'm, in, I'm at now, luckily. Yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a a bit of a, of, of, of a commitment to do all that, you know, moving away from family and friends and everything else uh, to do it. Um, do you get to ride much anymore? How's the skills? Uh, I get to ride maybe three to four times a year, but yeah. you know, if I, by the end of the day, I start, yeah, I start kind of throwing down and that's usually when I want to, when I want to pack up, you know, I don't want to get too comfortable riding again. You know, uh, <laughs> it's like, I want to be careful. You know, I have to one, stay safe and two, like, I don't want to get the itch to like, oh, you know what? Like, let's go do Loretta's or something like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I just want to ride strictly for fun. And actually, it's funny. I just rode this past week with Austin. was the first time I've ever ridden with him. And uh, I think even he was like, okay, all right, this is fun. Like, it was it was sick. We had a really good time. And I think, like, having that background is just like he has, like, a little bit of a level of respect. Yeah. Seeing that I've been there and I've done that. I'm not just, like, talking to him from, you know, knowing nothing of what he's seeing. So Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? Uh, it does help a little bit. And so are you okay with – maybe not being as good as you once were or be able to pound out a 20-minute moto, um, you're all right with the with that? Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with that, man. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I gave it up, I told myself, like, you know, I needed to commit to what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm a mechanic now. I'm not, I'm not a rider. And, like, I tell myself that when I go ride. And uh, that's fine by me. You know, this is my career, and this is what I, I've committed to. You know, I moved out here to be what I am, and, you know, to not to ride. Like, I, it's for fun. It's not like a... Uh, not like a thing where I need to go out and yeah. be like that guy anymore. Yeah. Are you happy with, uh, you know, you said you dreamed of being a top guy and we all did. Right. Um, yeah. but you made mains, you got points. Uh, are you happy with how the pro thing went and in your effort and everything else? 
Uh, I'd say, yeah, I'm happy for the most part. Um, I, I wish I achieved more, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I, everyone wishes that, I'm sure. In, in my head, I just think, uh, what if I had this or what if I had that? Because the financial side of it was always a tough one for me. Mm-hmm. I just remember, like, I was full, full on privateer, even with the traders thing. Like, Gary supported me. Above, far above and beyond than what I think I deserved at first, at least, and uh, that helped a lot. But I never, I never actually had like an off season. I never like trained for Supercross or anything mm-hmm. like that, except for the one year when I was like consistently making the mains and scoring points and doing all that. And that was it. And that was like my one year where I kind of showed uh, what I was capable of with that like, type of preparation. But every other year besides that, it was like. All right, round one's in like a month. You know, I'll yeah. ride Supercross once a week, and then let's go racing. You know, that was that was it, and there was no testing or anything. So yeah, just uh, yeah. In my head, I I was happy with what I did with what I had, but I just you know still there's always that what if you know. Yeah, no, absolutely right. Uh, it is it is that yeah it lingers around and you never quite know. You you'll probably make it to Loretta's at some point here, Archer. Like. 10 years from now or something you'll go back you all you guys do so <laughs> yeah everybody every year people bring it up man 25 plus let's go and i'm like yeah ah, man i got you know i got all this other stuff it's i mean you, you know how it is at pc it's a grind here it's full time it would be if i did it i would want to do it right you know yeah yeah speaking of that uh the pro circuit job is definitely your highest profile gig uh how'd you get it who recommended you how'd the interview go with peyton and all that um, actually it was weird. So I was with Michael Lindsay's team last year yep. and I was actually planning on staying there. Then everyone knows doors closed, you know, no more mm-hmm. team. Um, backtrack a little bit. The, before I joined Michael Lindsay's team, I actually got a text from Oh, okay. The year before. Mm-hmm. And I went in, saw Mitch, handed him my resume, talked to Zach and like I left and like, you know, I was just waiting for a response and I, I waited a couple of weeks and this was during like, you know, COVID was still a thing at the time. Mm-hmm. So Michael was offering me a job and the pay was good. And I was like, yeah, and I, I wanted to work with Cody. Like, you know, Cody's like a yep. little brother to me and I knew he had really good potential. But I took the job with Michael and I messaged Mitch and Zach and I said, hey, with these uncertain times, like I have to take what I have. And mm-hmm. then, you know, fast forward the following year, they actually kind of reached out to me. Uh, through Ollie, like, hey, like we need a guy who's like experienced, and uh, it was funny because I did well with Cody. I had a lot of offers on the table. And yeah, I heard. I heard. Um, yeah, I heard one of your deals was pretty good, from what I hear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there, there were quite a few options for me, and I sat down with my wife and talked it out, and we made the decision to go here because of you know it's all the factors commute, all that you know. Uh, so, yeah, I sat down with Mitch. Um, we kind of went back and forth talking about, you know, uh, salary a little bit and, mm-hmm. like, what my qualifications were. And he had obviously already talked to Skip and everybody that I'd been involved with in the past. And he was like, well, sign up right now. And, like, at that time, I still had one more interview. And it was funny because I was like, yeah, I kind of need to go talk to this person. And he was like, all right, this, take it or leave it right now walk out you never get an offer again and i was like oh man and i was like can i have till the end of the day he said nope and i said really uh, <laughs> yeah and i was like okay how about a, can i go make a phone call 
And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, go outside, make a phone call. <laughs> I actually went outside, made a phone call to like my my parents and my wife, and just like I was like, wow, I have like right now to make this choice. And they yeah. were like, really? And I actually walked back in and I told Mitch I was going to go see out that other interview, and I think I kind of called him off a little bit because he was like. Uh, all right. Well, if they, they don't, if you don't like what they have, then like call me. And I was like, oh my god, yeah. dude! Like, he scared <laughs> dude, you, me. You out bargained to Mitch Payton. Good job. I, I'm, <laughs> yeah, it's. I, I thought for sure I was walking in, and he was going to be like, "See you later." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then he was like, "Yeah, just come, come." Uh, and so the other, the other interview didn't change your mind, obviously. It didn't. Um, yep. Just because there was a little uncertainty with the other one. Yep. Um, and Mitch's was a solid deal with a solid rider. And, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people, you know, look at Austin Forkner and think like his history. And that was definitely a thought in my mind as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he's capable. I mean, we know for sure that dude is capable of going out and winning almost at any time. It's just his preparation, the off season. if it's solid, then he's good. And I, I think seeing it firsthand now, I'm actually a bigger fan of him than before I knew him mm-hmm. just because I kind of see in the background a little bit. Yep, uh, yep. so yeah, I, think, I, I don't think Austin helps himself out with social media a little bit. Um, if you just knew him from social media and kind of some interviews and stuff, you may not be a fan of him, you know, but these guys are all different that way in my opinion. So, yeah, I, I fully agree. And yeah, I think coming in, I don't know what my, I can't remember exactly what my view of Austin was. I didn't dislike him. Right. I think I kind of maybe didn't agree with how he portrayed himself, but mm-hmm. uh, now that I've gotten to know him, know him and I've worked with him for this whole year, uh, me and him get along really well, and like he has respect for me, and I have a lot of respect for him because of what he does. So yeah. it works out well, man, and I'm actually really excited for this year. So I got offered a test job years ago, like in nineteen in two thousand with Peyton. Uh, Brooks, Larry Brooks at Chaparral had to let me go super late in the year, but he said he, he arranged uh, an interview with me or a job for, with me with Mitch. Uh, so I went down to talk to Mitch and he's like, well, I don't have a race team spot, but we have a test spot. You know, you'll be a test mechanic. You'll, you know, dyno motors, that kind of stuff. And honestly, Tony, I turned it down because I'm like, listen, I love the races. That's the action. And I know what that life is like at pro circuit. I've got plenty of friends who have been there. Um, and it was just intimidating for me, the workload with no potential reward of having a racer. Uh, that's how I looked at it. What's it been like to work there for you? Is it is it as gnarly as back then and what people say? Or, like, what's the workload like and the commitment? It, it's a lot of work. And I knew that coming in. That never really, like, scared me away. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're the only team that we build our own engines still. So, I mean, not only is there a chassis to look after, but for a practice bike and a race bike, we have practice and race engines for our guy that we look after. <laughs> and obviously the race engines are every week, and the practice engines, you know, are, are pretty often. Um, yeah. So the workload, and we all kind of work together because, I mean, from the outside looking in, it's a it's a factory team, but everybody here is chipping in to keep this program running. You know, it's not like we have one guy that's just and we do have ian southwell he's technically our crew chief uh race director whatever mm-hmm. his title may be he does it all as far as the development and everything else but i mean when we need graphics like we call and we do all that and like we have like each guy is kind of have like a little bit of responsibility to to mm-hmm. make sure we have everything we need to go racing so that part of it is added on top of everything so it is it's a full-time gig man and we need every hour of the day to to keep it going but i mean it's rewarding i mean 
if we can go out there and we win, whether it's your guy or, you know, someone on the team has gone out and won, then yep. we know we've done our job. And, and honestly, once you're done there, you'll have your pick of jobs. Uh, that's the kind of reputation that working at Pro Circuit gives you with other factory teams. It really does, you know. Uh, so that's a great thing. You'll, you'll, you'll be lined up, you know, um, after you're done there, wherever you want to make your next step. Or who knows, maybe you don't. Maybe you're like Zach and you stay there forever, you know. So, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, when I came here, my, my intention was to go somewhere I could be for like a, a you know, a long time. I didn't want to, I have been a mechanic for, this was my fifth year going on my sixth now. And I've been with six different teams and I've never had the same rider two years in a row. So I was like, you know, I really want to just like (laughs) be somewhere and like not have to relearn a whole new program, you know? Yep. Um, you know, and like where that leads in the future, I don't know, but I knew if I go here, it's not going anywhere. Pro Circuit is staying. Like with Michael Lindsay's team, it was always a question mark. Of like, what if the team isn't there next year? You yep. don't know if it is or not. You know, it was scary. But um, I, I had uh, at the end of the year last year, my wife was pregnant and she was giving birth at the end of the season, like directly. And I was like, man, I don't want to be in this situation where I'm questioning my career. You know, I don't know if I have a job right now. Right. So right. needed something secure for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Is your is your wife from uh, back east? No, she's from California. I met her when I moved out here. Oh, look at you. Just scooping the Southern California chick up. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Tony Archer on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life. I want to thank the folks at Maxxis Tires. Uh, A-Ray, Cade, putting Maxxis Tires in main events this year. Uh, The Maxxis SGB Honda team as well. MXSTs developed by former pro circuit rider Jeremy McGrath. Maxxis.com, great mountain bike tires as well. They do a, a lot of good things. Thanks to the folks at Maxxis. And thank you to the folks at Firepower, too, firepowerparts.com. They make um, oil. They make chains. Privateers are using them. And they make oil uh, leading from a, made from the ground up by a leading OEM manufacturer. Great chains, great batteries, Featherlite lithium batteries. As I said, a lot of privateer teams from Club MX to Chiz to Gopher Dunes Honda using firepowerparts.com. Thank you to those guys. For coming on thank you to roost and namira as well uh tony um so what's it like working for mitch uh he can be demanding he's also you know uh a nice guy uh he's he's also working as hard as you are many times right there beside you guys doing dynoing or supporting cylinders or whatever what's it like working with with peyton it's honestly pretty surreal because you, you grow up seeing this guy and what he's built and mm-hmm. uh now i'm working for him and honestly he's he's not as gnarly as i think he used to be as as what i've heard he was yeah, um yeah. i mean he's definitely demanding like if you're here you're working um but there's never a shortage of work so that's never a problem as long as you're not just standing around screwing off you know uh he's okay but um for the for everything that i've seen like he's been solid as long as you're in there doing your job and you're not messing anything up and he sees that we're working our asses off and like he he appreciates that and um I don't think it's as crazy as as people, you know, say he is. I, I think in the past he has been, but I mean, the guy wants to win, and the knowledge he has is unreal. Because you know, I just sit and listen sometimes, and uh, you just listen to the stories of where he's been and what he's seen. So mm-hmm. there's no denying this guy's. Uh, if if it's happened in this sport, he's probably seen it or done it. The one thing that I've heard from people that are there is like you work all day, and you want to leave. And 6 o'clock, Mitch rolls back with some cores, and it's kind of like, I mean, you want to talk to him, you want to hang out with him, you want to bench race with everybody, but it turns into like a long day, and you're like, I got to get out of here. 
<laughs> is that is it been yeah. like that way for you? Uh, a, a couple times, yeah. But I try to, you know, I, I have a kid at home, so I'm just like, yeah, six o'clock. If I'm done, oh, I and I, it's not always six o'clock. If you have work to do, I'm staying to get yeah. my work done. Yeah. If it's just sitting around and, and drinking, like a couple times I've stayed and done it, but it's not like a normal occurrence uh, for me personally. Some people do; they'll just right. hang out and sit with Mitch and like obviously listen to what he has to say because I mean he's he's done a lot, so he has a story for every situation. Um, but yeah, me personally, if if you know I'm done my work and it's time to go, then I, I go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's uh, yeah. I think that's a good thing for sanity, right? There's a work-life yeah, exactly. balance, right? There's got to be one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, because you race at such a high level, um, you feel like you can help Austin a little bit, or other racers you've been with. Cody, we'll get to. We'll talk to what a phenomenal year you guys had last year, um, and you were a big part of that. With Forkner, does he, do you, can you help him with lines and training and riding, or do you kind of like step back and he's got people for that, Robbie and others? Well, honestly, last year it was just me and him out here, and obviously had Robbie uh, in Oklahoma, but Austin was out here the whole time, and I think there was a period where he was kind of feeling it out. But and I, I I'd like to pride myself on having a good eye for technique and a good eye for like kind of mm-hmm. correcting things on the motorcycle, and uh, it took a little bit until Austin really like kind of trusted my input. But yeah, I feel like I had some input with him and obviously i didn't reinvent the wheel it was just little things you know trying mm-hmm. to be a little bit more efficient you know maybe a little safer you know on the bike um but yeah i i think austin actually takes what i say and like listens and, mm-hmm. and takes it and, and you know trusts me so that's good um but it didn't it wasn't like it just happened right away it was probably we were in supercross racing yep. already by the time he was like fully on board but like, okay you know what like He's not an idiot, you know, so <laughs> that, that was cool. And that, that's actually really cool for me because, like, sometimes I say it and I'm just like, man, just keep your mouth shut, you know. Like, this kid knows what he's doing. But then again, everybody, if they're at this level, they're willing to take anything and yeah. turning it into being better because you can always be better. Yeah, sometimes with Ferry, I just – he had Tishner for a while, his wife. He had trainer. He had the motor guy. He had the suspension guy. He had the team manager. Sometimes for me, I was like, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to tell this, like, I'll let him, if you, if you ask me, great, but I'm not going to flood him with too much information. It's kind of sometimes where I was at, you know? When you're getting it from too many angles, it's a lot. Yeah. And this summer, actually, I worked, uh, I was wrenching for Ryder D and uh, his trainer is Tedesco. And I was kind of like a little hesitant on giving any input or any Mm -hmm. type of critique with Ryder, but like. It was cool because, you know, Ivan's seen me with Austin and Ivan has talked to me a lot about stuff that, you know, he sees. And it was awesome because me and Ivan would bounce ideas off each other and we'd relay it to Ryder together and, like, try to help him out. So right. it was cool to have that respect from someone uh, as high caliber as uh, Ivan's best man, someone I grew up, you know, looking up to. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Really awesome. No, that's pretty cool for sure. FXR, Race Tech on the uh, Privateer Island Life show with Tony Archer. Uh, what a year on the FXR Honda team last year with Cody. And like you said, he's like your little brother. He crushed it. He's had a tough time this year with injuries, and, and it's been a waste of a year for him. But, dude, he was a revelation last year. Nationals, outdoors, you guys are running top fives. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're, putting it, you're stringing it together with bubble gum and, and, and tinfoil, and <laughs> you're racing, you know, factory riders. Uh, that must have been awesome, dude. It was, uh, man, it was definitely a year to remember. Uh, just 
the amount of time and effort that went into it was insane. Like when I took the job, I knew how it was going to be kind of, it's the privateer team. It was kind of a mess. And, uh, I saw Cody's potential and pretty much Cody was like, I don't want to say begging, but he was, he's been wanting me to be his mechanic for a long time. Mm -hmm. Cause me and him have been close for years and years. So the opportunity came up, I took it and, uh, Cody just said, here, I'm going to give you the reins. You tell me what to do. And, uh, I, I wrote his training program off the bike. I wrote his riding program you know, through the week. And then every single thing we did was, you know, written down and scheduled by me. So I don't think that's something that like we broadcasted because it was kind of a little insane. If you really think about it, like I was staying up at night and I was writing down his workout program, printing it out on a piece of paper, handed it to him. And then I would stand there and hold him accountable a little bit, you know? And also at the same time, I still had all the duties of the mechanic and I was doing all the parts ordering for Michael through, you know, the OEM side on Honda and mm-hmm. handling some of the aftermarket companies. But it was, uh, dude, it was it was a year of a lot of work, but Cody made it really rewarding because yeah, he, he definitely, I'd say, overperformed based on you know what what the team was kind of. We mm-hmm. had really good stuff, but I mean, the money wasn't there. It was just really tough. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it, it really was. But dude, I, I was kind of like that and. 99 when i worked for red dog he was he got podium we were out of a box van as a privateer and he got a podium at indianapolis and i mean we were we were i was doing everything uh jetting the bike changing the oil and suspension you know buying the groceries washing the van and, and all that kind of stuff and it was really really cool to uh to beat some of the factory guys and i can imagine that was the same way for you um was that a test for your skills like did you ever like, obviously, you're a better mechanic now than you were when you started with Traders. Um, I imagine working with that kind of rider, getting those kind of results, having eyeballs on you, really helped you elevate your game? I, I Yes, yeah. I'd say yes, for sure, because <clears throat> there was no outside guidance, you know? Um, it was just me and Cody. And, like, obviously, we worked with the companies, and we had Enzo, and they're really knowledgeable. And mm-hmm. we had XPR, and that guy is super smart. Um so, I mean, but at the track, it was just me and him. And if there were ever any changes, you know, I was making them. And if there was ever any improvements made on, needed to be made on the bike, you know, I would relay that message to Enzo. And, like, mm-hmm. I think we, we crushed it, dude. Like, we did really well. And, like, I was nervous because what if I'm not as good as, like, I, in my head I thought I was? You know, I, was like, I think right. I can do this. You know, I think yep. I can push Cody to, like, the next level. And, like, we did. So, honestly, at the end of the year, I thought I saw it as a huge success and, you know, I was a little bummed, like, I couldn't stay with Cody, but, I mean, he understands. Like, I was I was having a family. I needed, you know, a, a good career path, and uh, he, we still live together. He still lives in the same house as me, obviously. I think he's moving soon, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it was a really good year and definitely a huge test for us. When you say you couldn't stay with him just because you didn't want to do the Phoenix thing, I imagine you could have gone to Phoenix, right? I, I could have, actually, yeah. yeah. I was just more worried about, like, yeah the security of it yeah, like for sure pro circuit like i said it before like they're not going anywhere and it was a really good opportunity yep. to, to advance i'd say too but um yeah i could have gone the phoenix route but uh i knew cody would be okay going there because it's a good team and a good base but uh um, obviously yeah i didn't know he's st- i didn't know he still lived with you so you've got forkner and you've got pro circuit but you're still working with cody because i guarantee you there's a, been a lot of uh deep discussions about 
injuries and rehab and positivity and everything with the year he's had, uh, you must feel like you're still uh, looking after him a little bit. Yeah, and like I said with Cody, it's he's not just like a, an uh, ex rider. Like he's he's family to me. You know, he's been around for a super long time in my life and always been by my side. Like he was a huge supporter and fan of me when I raced, so that was cool. But yeah, with Cody, I mean more more now, just like being you know a bigger big brother to him, kind of, and just trying to help him through like mentally because he was struggling there for a little bit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was tough because this is all he has and all he knows, and like he couldn't do it. Like. He, he got uh, – he had an appointment on his knee, and he was like, man, they told me not till October because he was dead set on doing Paula the last round. Okay. Like, it is what it is, man. Like, just let it be. And I, I go away for a weekend racing. I can't remember what round it was, but I see videos of him out riding a 252 stroke, and I'm like, you are not cleared to ride. Don't be an <laughs> idiot, dude. Like, why yeah. are you out there? So he just – he was just struggling, just not yeah. – not Advancing. Does he have something next year, or was he going back privateer route? What's 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 how's that going with him? I mean, as far as I know, I, he's staying Phoenix. Okay, um, good. I, and I haven't really talked to him too in depth about it. I try not to to pry too much, and I haven't really yep. been home as much because of the racing thing lately. But as far as I know, I think he's good with Phoenix. Um, good, yeah. So at least he has something, which is yeah. really good for him. Oh, um, for sure. He, he needs it, and I think he deserves another opportunity to go out there and, and prove his worth. So, I'm guessing, Tony, that the year you spent with FXR and Cody last year was your best year slash learn the most, or was it a, the Bogle year or Traders or, or this year? Like, Where do you feel you really got a hang of this job and the ins and outs of it? I think, yeah, definitely the year with Cody. Yeah. Just because I had my hands in every part of that team. Like, right. I was I was doing everything. Like, organizing, like, you know, all the logistics for getting engines to and from the race and doing the parts orders and organizing, like, the semi. And, like, I, I, had, I had everything there. So I got to see every part of it and to see what really goes into these race teams and I think respect it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that, that definitely, I think I learned the most last year. Um, I was on TLD and I learned a lot there on how a factory team works. And then I brought that to obviously Michael Lindsay's team and we were limited by budget in a lot of that. But uh, I feel like I brought some of the processes and the way that they do things and like the logistics part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I learned more than just like the, the mechanic side of things. I, I learned a lot yeah. about how how these teams are run and it's it's insane man like it's it's chaos it's organized chaos yeah yeah it really is when you get behind the scenes of teams like that absolutely yep. uh who'd you work for at tld uh i actually originally was with brian moreau oh okay uh, until he was injured unfortunately um and then i was with pierce brown for the remainder of the time there okay uh and then you work for bogle at bbmx um i think the world of him i like him as a dude i think he's a good guy uh, did you find all that? Like, were you were you stoked to work with him over there? Honestly, yeah, because that was uh, my first like factory, I guess, job. I would say, yep, out of Traders, and I went right to Bogle, and it was really cool. Um, like I said, I did a lot of moving around, so I had to move to Oklahoma, and that part was tough. But that dude, it's crazy with Bogle because you know he's easy to get along with, but when he turns it on, like it's on, like <laughs> it was weird because we were like hovering around top 10 all year and then one buddy yanks a whole shot and like we're fighting for podium in the moto and i'm like what the hell this this guy is like he's still got it when he wants it it's just like 
you know, mm-hmm. I, I think his health has been a, been an issue for him. And if he can get that figured out, he, I think he can still be a, a pretty good guy out there. So right, yeah, I I root for him. He's doing the World Supercross thing, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, um, yeah that'll be exciting. Yeah, thanks to the folks at RoostMX uh, net. Go there. Pulp Nation is the code to save. Get backgrounds, graphics, forty eight hour turnaround. Pulp Nation is the code to save. They got a whole section of pulp merch. On their site as well, the official graphics supplier of the uh, Team Canada Pit Bike of Nations as well. So thanks to those guys, uh, roostmx.net, and thanks to Namira Technology, namira.com, District 23 people there in Minnesota, doing great works. They got top ends, uh, top end kits uh, for old bikes, new bikes, uh, whatever it is, uh, as well, personal watercraft stuff out as well. Namira.com for more information. Namira Pit Technologies, they've got different price points and different products, so please check them out. If you can, on the FXR Racing Race Tech Suspension Privateer Island Life Podcast. Uh, Tony, what uh, you mentioned Skip. Uh, I know Skip pretty well. He lives here in Vegas. He's come on the Pulp Show a few times, and and uh, he's done a lot in the sport, from wrenching from Jeremy to uh, uh, being a crew chief at Cowie and everything else. Is he? Is it safe to say, like, he taught you the most? He, he, he kind of impacted you the most coming up? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, that guy, yeah, he's, he's pretty incredible, you know. And trust me, there was a point in time in my life where I would never say that about Skip. Me and him, uh, we had our rough patch. Um, what was that about? Like, what was it? Uh, you just first starting out? Were you were you thinking you didn't need to do stuff, or, or was he being a bit of a demanding? Or how how does that work? Uh, so it started when I raced for the team in 2016, and, and Skip came on, and he was just like Tony, who like who who was on this team, and why is he on this team? And I think that was the mentality for most of the year with me. Uh, and that was, I think the year I struggled the most as a privateer because, you know, obviously I did really well in 15 and then 16, like my support kind of got pulled away from me a little bit. Um, I, and I kind of blamed skip for that for quite a while Oh yeah, because he came on and then, uh, all of a sudden like, okay, I I don't have any travel paid for, I don't have, all I had was a bike at the races and that was kind of it. And I was like, man, like that's, that's tough because I feel like the year before I carried the team, but either way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and him like didn't get along through that because I saw all this stuff happening, and then I kind of I left the team at the end of that year, and that was kind of like I'd say pretty much the end for me. And then when I came back as a mechanic, he like he didn't want me like Kenny Day. He he wanted me on the team because me and him, you know, have been super close for a long time, and yep. you know we we've always had each other's backs and. uh I came on and Skip was like, I just want you to know, like, I didn't think you should be here for this job. Like, I, I oh, don't wow. think you're the best option. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, so it was a lot of that at first. And, like, I always felt like he didn't have any respect for me, like, in my racing career. Even though, you know, I was a privateer, but I was a struggling privateer. And I, I thought I did okay based on the circumstances. Uh but then he didn't have any respect for me, like as a mechanic at first. I thought and he was always just yeah. down my throat about every little thing, even if I wasn't doing anything wrong. Like he always kind of had to put his two cents in it. Like one day, it just went to, to blows pretty much. Like I was like, I was ready to beat the shit out of this dude, man. And uh, like I went off on him, and I almost lost it. I almost lost my cool. I got in my truck. I left. Wow. And a couple hours later. Yep. Uh, Skip called me and me and him sat down and we had a talk for five or six hours, man, just drinking beers and talking everything out and why I thought I was bothered and why he had his opinion on me. Oh, wow. And from, okay. From that day forward, man, we were, uh, 
we're I, I don't want to say best buddy yeah. but he's been my biggest supporter you know in in my journey so far uh anytime i've ever needed information or help i, I can call him and he's been right there for me and man he's a he's a great dude um like I said, before I didn't think that, but, you know, seeing how he handled the situation where, like, I was just a, a younger guy, just pissed off and yeah. angry at him, and he handled it like, hey, come here, we're going to talk it out. And uh, Yeah, he's just, he's a smart guy. He didn't get where he is by not being smart, and I think that's why I didn't like him as, as much at first. He was too freaking smart. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Yeah. But, uh, no, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Some of the guys at Calvi didn't like him either when he first got there. He was kind of demanding a little bit. Like This was like the early stew, stew days. And, yep. you know, I think they had to work it out too a little bit on, on you know. Uh, and I think, he, I think he came from a Mitch Payton, early Mitch Payton days, right? Um, uh, where that's, you know, Mitch pushed everybody, like you said, you know. So, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, so that's good. That's You know what? That's also maturity. A lot of people don't do that kind of stuff, you know, as far as uh, talking yep. it out and sitting down and doing that. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go through your list of riders you've worked for and give me, uh, give me something interesting about them that you learned or that you like about them. Uh, oh, okay. So, all right, your first one. Who was your first? Uh, Luke Rensland for Trainer uh, Racing. Uh, uh, yep. I mean, where do you start with L. Dozer? Uh, L. Dozer, man. Randy, uh, Randy Saltine. <laughs> yeah so you know the name randy saltine man yeah. oh man the karaoke days were insane like we would ride all day uh-huh. and then we'd gear down and like first things first everybody wants to to play some ping pong in the shop and then you know randy saltine el dozer fires up the karaoke corner in the shop and just <laughs> sings karaoke till freaking 11 o'clock at night and then just goes right to bed that that was his thing there was no partying yeah. or anything else karaoke. That was his fun. <laughs> nice <laughs> all right next up for you and then uh i went to club mx the traders club mx yep. merger deal uh i wrenched for jace pennington okay all right give me something <laughs> from pennington uh, that kid, man, is just huge talent. I think just never super guided, and mm-hmm. then just a bunch of injuries, and I think he just was over it. Uh, that was the biggest thing. And then uh, I actually worked for Brad Taft that year as well. Oh, that's right, Bradley Taft. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I had Pennington and Brad Taft, and like Bradley Taft, that kid. I I don't know what it was, but he just always looked super cool on a bike, and like could yep. throw down a lap. Yeah, he hadn't been on a bike in like you know a couple months when he joined with us, but yeah, he just sent it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And All then, right. Uh, Bogle, and we we kind of touched on that. That yeah. guy, was, when he when he turned it on, it was unreal. But that was another thing with him. Like we were in Oklahoma, and we'd just hang out and bowl, and I'd go up there, and he'd have his studio all set up and do all his rap stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a good time with him as well. All right, and then on to Cody, right? Uh no, no. TLD. Oh, TLD. Uh, Sorry, Brian, yeah, Brian Moreau. Yeah. Brian Moreau. <laughs> uh. That kid too, man. Uh, he didn't have much when he came out here. Like Matilda and Marvin Muskan took him in, and like on the weekends, I would go pick him up because he didn't have a license or anything. And I would take that kid out, and like he had never experienced half of the stuff, like going to like a driving range, hitting some golf balls, bowling, all that stuff. He had never really like done in his life. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, uh, super. Do you still super keep it? Do you still keep in touch with him? Yeah, I do. I yep. do here and there. Um, for uh, the longest time, it was like a, a weekly thing. Just call him and like mm-hmm. see how he was doing. And I think kind of he's doing his thing, and like we kind of lost touch a little bit for a while. But he yep. came out here actually uh, uh, 
before Supercross started. He was here through December. Actually, I think he was here for Thanksgiving is what it was. And, uh, yeah, he, he spent Thanksgiving at my house and hung out. And cool. Yeah, I, I hope he can. He's just trying to find find an answer because there's really no clear answer on why he doesn't have, you know, everything back. It's it's such a sad story. First practice yeah. of his first American Supercross. Just unbelievably. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know? And just a really unfortunate situation, too. It wasn't like he really did anything super wrong. No, so. no, no. Uh, all right. Who else was it over there? Uh, oh, Pierce, Pierce Brown. Brown. Yep, Pierce Brown. What do you? Same thing, man. Just uber talented. And I, I think that kid, if he puts it all together, he'll be really good. I think, honestly, he just goes too hard, if anything. Yeah, like he, he tries. He's a, yeah, he's, he's, he can take a hit and get up and keep crashing and keep going. And, yeah, all of that, right? Yeah. So the kid has tons of heart. It's just uh, – I think just what, like putting it all together, all the pieces of the puzzle together, and that kid will be really good. Yeah, let's let's hope so. Um, definitely uh, seems like he has the desire and the will to do the work, right? Like yep. Will Wilbur says he you know does everything off the bike he's supposed to do, and just one of those kids that just can't put it together. Maybe like Tony Archer back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, that, just like me. That's not something you're looking forward to, though. <laughs> no, no, no. But, you end up but, where I'm at. But you know what I mean? Like the talent, the, the level of talent that you have, and then like, you know, a Pierce Brown, who, okay, maybe a little better than you, better amateur results, but there's not a whole lot of difference between you two guys on the track, right? He's a 10th place guy. You were, what, 15 to 20, right, or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. Not a lot of difference there, but just – yeah, how do you figure it out? How do you push that? Push that a little. It's life's big mysteries, right? I don't know. Yeah, some, sometimes you just gotta keep on getting it, and it'll just come. Like it, you really have no reason why, but it'll just happen yep. sometimes, you know. Yep. And then you know you can work as hard as you want off the bike, and it doesn't work, or you can be a little bit lazy off the bike, and things will click, you know. So, yeah, yeah frustrating sport for sure. Uh, it is absolutely. Well, hey man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate. it. I really wanted to catch up with you. Um, Sounds like you're, you know, you're enjoying your 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 work through the industry. You get to work with the same rider two years in a row. Congratulations, Archer, on that. Oh yeah, exciting, <laughs> man. <laughs> First for everything, right? I know, right? Um, but uh, no, man, I really want to thank you for the time on this podcast and and really interesting career path. And it sounds like you're doing well. So, uh, thanks for the time, man, on the podcast. Appreciate it. Uh, are you doing any um, you doing anything this off season, or will we just see you at the at Anaheim? You going anywhere? Uh, probably just see me at Anaheim, man. Get get Austin ready. Um, yep. We don't obviously with Mitch. You don't know what coach yeah. you're on until right before. <laughs> right, so uh, right, yeah. you'll either see us at Anaheim or, or you know I don't even know the first round right now, which is sad. But yeah. uh, whatever the first East Coast round is, you'll see us at one of the two for sure. But sounds good, man. Well, hey, thanks for the time, Archer. Appreciate it. Good luck with everything, man. All right, thank you for having me on, man. All right, see ya. See ya.